0: Oh, I want to see him. You know, that should be. I know what that song's talking about. It's talking about when we, uh, in words of another song, when we all get to heaven. But can I tell you this morning, you can see him here today? You don't have to wait till you get there. I believe with everything in me, the Holy Spirit is in this house this morning, so that you can see Him today, so that you can gaze upon His beauty today, so that you can rest in His glory today. But what I know, and I was getting ready to ask him to put that up. It's either the Spirit talking to him or he read my mind. We'll go with the Spirit this morning, right? You know, I did this title slide Friday, I believe it was. I put it together. And I looked at it at first. And I'm like, that's not very church-like. But then it hit me about like a ton of bricks. Exactly what I posted yesterday. The church is a lot like Israel. Israel was plodding on, acting like nothing was wrong, when in fact there was a great deal wrong. In other words, what they were were dressed up bones. I believe much like then, today a lot of times we are nothing but dressed up bones. We're already in a casket, we're all dressed up, but there's no life to us. And can I tell you that dressed up bones are no good for the kingdom of God. You know, and I'll just be blunt, they might be good for you, in other words, if you are saved... Fine, you get to look upon Jesus, but what about all the rest that are around you? You have done them no good. In other words, you have made no impact to the kingdom of God. You let it stop with you. Now, I know it is faith that saves you. I know it is the drawing of the Holy Spirit. But if we're real honest, you're saved because you heard the preached word of God. You're saved because a grandma or a grandpa prayed for you. You come into the church house at some point in your life with thanksgiving. You entered His gates with thanksgiving and you come into His courts with praise. But then at some point you grew cold and stagnant. And you let it stop with you and you have not impacted the kingdom the same way that your parents did. The same way that your grandparents did. So today, simply the message is, and and I, I really I felt a little intimidated even preaching this passage because some of the greatest preachers in the world have preached masterpieces from this text. and And I feel like I can do neither, but I also feel that God spoke to me while I was praying during the praise and worship right there that He told me to preach it, not to worry. So I suppose that's what I'll do, and I'm going to talk to you about dry bones and fresh life. We're still on Pentecostal winds. If you'll notice in this passage, it starts and ends with the Spirit. Pentecostal winds can bring you fresh life. If you would, turn to Ezekiel 37. And it is a little bit lengthier passage, so if you're able to stand for the reading, I would appreciate it if you do. However, some of you, I understand, may not be able to stand for me to read 14 verses, and I certainly understand. This is such a powerful passage. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto those bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried. And our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Heavenly Father, I simply pray today for a reviving of the Holy Ghost. Lord, in being revived in the Holy Ghost, we can turn dry bones into a fresh life. Lord, in being revived in the Holy Ghost, we can take hopelessness and turn it into eternal hope. Lord, I simply pray that you would be with us in this house this morning, that you would anoint each of us to hear, that you would anoint me to preach your word, and God, that what we do would glorify and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe the first thing that we need to figure out in reading this particular passage is exactly what is dry bones. We know that he said it was the entire house of Israel. But if you go back just one chapter, you will kind of start to get a feel for what was going on. Actually, in chapter 36, verse 17, uh, God was talking to Ezekiel and he said, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it. By doing things their own way, Uh, actually it says their own way and their own doings. In other words, kind of like we are today, we want it our way. We want to do it the way that we've always done it. We want to follow this and that and the other instead of looking to God and following what he has for us. And it said that their way was before me as uncleanness. He didn't look at Israel as being a clean, sanctified, set-apart nation for him, even though he had called them, even though they were indeed the nation of God. He said that in them doing things their own way, that they were before him as that which was unclean. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say that thus saith the Lord God... In the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, that's in thirty six thirty three, I will cause you to dwell in the cities and the water and the wastes shall be builded. So these dry bones, it seems pretty clear to me that they were the entirety of the house of Israel. In other words, it wasn't necessarily an individual. It wasn't anything other than the entirety of Israel. Of the people of God. They had become lax. They had become complacent. They hadn't done what God said to do. Instead they followed after. What they felt that they wanted. To do. So God looks at Ezekiel. And he asks him. Can these bones live? In other words. God is looking at Ezekiel. And saying. Can things be made right. For all the wrong that has been done. Through all these years, he looked at them and he knew that they didn't have anything they needed to live. If it's just a bone laying there, it has lost its blood. It has lost its breath. It has lost its flesh and its skin. It has lost everything that it needs to live. Furthermore, we can continue to see that they were dry bones in a, in a valley. So in other words, they were in this open place where they were exposed To heat and wind, they had no kind of protection going on about them. They were in the worst possible place that they could be to have anything to do with life. They didn't have what they needed inside of them to live, and they didn't have what they needed outside of them to live. And God is looking at Ezekiel and saying, can the impossible happen? You know, I feel a lot of times that is exactly where we are as a church. We, I, Day after day, I see stats about how many pastors are quitting, how many churches have their doors shuttered, how every denomination in America is contracting instead of expanding. And I feel like that instead of God looking at us, it's the world looking at us, doubting God, saying not... Can they live? But they can't live. They can't make it. We've about got this thing whipped. You look throughout Europe, you look throughout the world, and we are largely a post. Christian world not just America we are a post-Christian nation here also we think we've gotten to the point to where the church can no longer live to where we are a bunch of dry bones shut up in a valley with no hope we don't have what we need inside of us to live and the world sure isn't going to give us any help But I've got news for you this morning. Protection is easy to find. Getting out of that valley where you're exposed to everything is easy to find. You can look throughout the Bible, and I picked a couple of different verses that tell us that if we will just run into God, then we can provide an answer to the world, much like Ezekiel provided to God. We can look at the world, and we don't have to tell them anything except God knows. When God looked at Ezekiel and he said, Can they live? Ezekiel didn't know what to say he just simply looked back at God and he said God you know whether they can live you know what can happen with your people this morning you need to understand that you may have a different view of things going on you may not understand everything going on you may think the church is without protection but if you will just look to God this morning and know that he is your protector if you will know that he is the one that gives life if you will know that he is the one that can speak anything into existence Romans 4.17 tells us that he can call those things that are not as though they are. We know that God can do the impossible. And Ezekiel was looking to him to do it. Psalm 5.11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Psalm forty six and one. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. We don't have to lay in a valley. We don't have to be without protection. We don't have to be exposed to the heat and the elements and all of these things. Psalm 57 and 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. This morning, we just need to run into the refuge that is God. We need to quit looking for refuge in anything else. We need to quit looking for refuge in our neighbor. We need to quit looking for refuge in a particular house. We need to quit looking for refuge in anything other than Jesus Christ because time and again, Scripture tells us that you, God, are my refuge. You, God, are my shield. You, God, are my strength. Psalm 59 and 1, deliver me from my enemies, O God, defend me. 2 Samuel 22 and 3 might be my favorite, though. The God of my rock, in Him will I trust. He is my shield. The horn of my salvation. My high tower. Oh, you're not listening to what I'm telling you. If you heard what I just told you, you would be happy this morning you wouldn't be looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about you would shout a little bit this morning you would be saying hallelujah which is to say praise the Lord it says he is my shield when there's a shield up something can't get through to get to you if you're just a bunch of bones laid out in the field the ravens and the crows and the buzzards can come and pick you clean the coyotes can come and gnaw at you a little bit but if you will run into a place called God and understand that He is your shield, there won't be anything going to be able to get to you. You might think that even laying in that field is a bunch of dry bones that you don't have nothing left to give, that all is hopeless. But God said that He is the horn of your salvation, He is the one that'll pour something out that'll take that dryness away. You need to understand that He is your high tower. That the flames of hell that are nipping at your feet can't get beyond the bottom. And He is a high tower and all you got to do is walk up into Him and you can have a little bit of peace. You can have a little bit of protection. You can have a little bit of comfort. That ought to give you reason to shout praises unto God this morning. Psalm 91 is also good. You know, and I've got to share this. I've got to slow down and I've got to share this. If y'all remember back when the pandemic started. Now I know we've lost a lot of folks out of our church over the past two years. But can I tell you not one has passed away due to COVID? Amen. Not one. Two things I believe are a good reason for it. I'm not saying we're blessed above others because a lot of good godly people have died of COVID. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But Aaron come down one day, he said he just felt led of the Lord to come in. He said as soon as he walked through, he just started walking around the church praying in tongues and he didn't understand. He said the Lord spoke to him and told him we would be protected. The other thing I believe, if you you will go back, you can even go back on the live videos. I told you to read Psalm 91 every day. Read it. Claim it. Why? Because it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shall not be afraid for the terror by night. Can I tell you if that if your soul is in Jesus Christ, all this world can be fallen apart and you can still lay your head down in peace. Why? Because to live is Christ and to die is to gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You can have peace about you you don't have to be afraid of the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday Uh, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You might look out and you'll see it, but you don't have to take hold of it. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. You have to live in God. You can't live with him one day a week. You can't cohabitate with him whenever you feel like it. Works to your advantage. You have to make your habitation in him. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. To keep thee in all thy ways. You can make fun of guardian angels all you want. But I pray God send all of them he can my way. That's what it says right there. He shall give his angels. Not an angel. They shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. He don't even want you to stub your toe. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. He used to sing about putting Satan under our feet. You understand that the dragon is Satan. He says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the snake. The serpent, that old serpent of old that tempted Adam and Eve, that come and tempted Christ when he was out in the wilderness for 40 days, is the same one that comes and tempts you, is the same one that the Word of God says that you can put under your feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, Because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now I read all of those to move to this really this one point. Israel knew this psalm. They repeated This psalm, no doubt in synagogue, time after time, and the other ones, they knew the story from Samuel. That was part of their history. They knew who God was, but I believe they missed that one key part in this psalm, which says living in God. They knew who God was, but yet their life did not match up. I just read you that from the earlier chapter in Ezekiel, chapter 36, that they were before God as uncleanness because they were trying to do things their own way. I feel like that as a church, now I'm not pointing at individuals or even this particular church. I'm making a very broad and general statement because I believe it applies to us all. The church has done the same thing for so long that we are exactly like Israel. You see, Israel had walked through history. They had lost cities. They had lost their temple. They had trouble upon trouble. They had plague upon plague. They walked through the world clueless and blind. They thought that they were okay with God, but God was looking at them and saying that you are before me as uncleanness. You have no right to come before me because you've been trying to do things your own way. Now we could look at the world and it's easy to pick out The church stood silent when they took prayer out of schools. The church stood silent when they allowed abortion to be legalized. The church has stood silent time after time saying that it's okay for the world to do what they want to do. One man can go and marry 15 women if he wants to. A man can go marry another man. A man can go have another man's wife. And whatever the world wants to do is okay. And God says it's all uncleanness before him. But we look at ourselves and we say oh we're righteous but the problem is is we've never raised our voice we've seen thing after thing fall we've seen time after time pestilence and plagues and trouble come our way and yet what do we do we put on our rose colored glasses and we look and say it's just all right. God is okay with me God is okay with my church we are as uncleanness before the Lord we're just like Israel, We think that there's no problem that's going to affect us because I'm okay with God. God looked at them. Now, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, go back to Ezekiel 33. I'm telling you the right background here. Because in Ezekiel 33, it says, Son of Man, they that inhabit those wastelands of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land is given us for an inheritance. Oh, we're seeds of Abraham. We're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Ain't nothing going to come my way. Everybody else in the world don't matter. I'm going to heaven and it don't matter. Oh, y'all looking at me like I've lost it now. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. We do that. We don't worry about what's going on out there. We don't even worry about what's going on in our own church house. We just look and we say, that inheritance is mine. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ and it don't matter. When we do those things, what we are is one of those skeletons dressed up in a casket. We are doing the kingdom of God no good. But God looked and He said, even though you think you're okay... Even though you think everything that you're doing is okay, here's what I've got to say to you. Ye eat with the blood and lift up your eyes towards your idols and shed blood. Shall ye possess the land? Ye stand up on your sword, you work abomination and you defile everyone his neighbor's wife. Shall ye possess the land? That's what God's seen. That's what those dry bones are in Ezekiel 37. You see, they were going through life and they had on their rose-colored glasses and they thought that just because they had an inheritance that everything was okay. God looked at them and He said, You're nothing but filthy rags before me. You're not standing before me in righteousness. You're not going to inherit anything because you've been doing it your own way. So once they finally come to grips with this, once they finally understood, they moved from this place of where they thought that they could do nothing wrong and that they were okay with Jesus and they moved to a place of total hopelessness. I believe that's what we're seeing kind of shift and kind of happen in churches now. We went on for year after year saying that what we're doing is A-OK. We need to do this and we need to do that. And we've been doing things in our own way for so long that we lost sight of God. I believe we're starting to see in some churches now that that. Those rose-colored glasses have turned into a place of hopelessness. We think that we are so far gone that we can't get the churches back to where they need to be. Now, I know it says in the last days there shall be a great falling away, but I also know that there was a prophet named Joel that said in the last days, God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I know that on the day of Pentecost that Peter stepped out and he looked at him and he said, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied about, that God said, he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh the church is not dead yet the church has lost its way in places I believe we've got to a place where we look and we act like we are hopeless because we're shuttering doors we've got pastors walking away and going back out into the secular world we keep having less and less show up to services I thank God that over the past few months we've been having more and more But we've moved from that place, I believe, of having rose-colored glasses. And now we're in this state where we are looking out and we feel like we're hopeless because the church is this group of dead, dry bones. And now we are looking. We don't know if Ezekiel has the answer or God. We look out and we wonder, can these bones live? We need to do just like Ezekiel. We need to say, God, you know. God, you know. Now, there's one thing I believe we need to understand out of this, that we need to be connected and protected. If you don't remember anything else, remember connected and protected and then the Spirit. Remember those two things. Why connected and protected? If you've got a bone laying over there, a thigh bone laying over there, a femur, and then over here you have your tibula and your fibula, your lower leg bones. And then over there you've got the, the skull, and back over here you've got another part. And even if they have something about life on them, even if they've still got some skin and some flesh left to them, they can't do anything on their own. They have to be connected one to another. We see that even in the text. That God said He would lay sinews upon you and will bring upon you flesh and cover you with skin. Well, there's no good to cover it if it's not connected. So when Ezekiel prophesied, he heard this noise going on, this shaking and this rattling going on. And it said the bones come together. Bone to his bone. In other words, the bones got in the proper order. Can I tell you this morning that we will never do anything as a church for the kingdom of God if we are not connected in proper order. We all have gifts to use. We all have a place and a calling within the Lord. And if we don't get connected in proper order, we will never accomplish anything. But likewise... Once we get connected in the proper order, if we don't run into our high tower, our refuge, our strength. In other words, if we don't have something to protect us, then we will also never make an impact. You see, they had to get in proper order first. And then it was only after they got into proper order that God could put some protection over them. They had to come together before he could cover them with sinews to hold them together where they belong before he could cover them with flesh to add some more strength and rigidity to it. And then to finally cover them with that protective covering of skin. We need to be the same way as a church. We need to be connected and we also need to be protected. We need to be in our own and rightful places of where God has called us to be. And then we also need to be protected. I can't have just one of you running into and living in God. I have to have the entirety of the body running into and habitating in God, not just cohabitating with Him several days a week. But if we will do this, if we will get connected first properly, and then we will get protected and go as a body into the place where God has called us to be, then and only then can we start having anything positive to do in the kingdom. But I want you to look at the end of verse 8. Because you know, even being connected and protected is not enough. said, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But look at that last part. There was no breath in them. Now, perhaps that's where a lot of churches are at. You know, the same word for breath is spirit, ruach. Breath, wind, spirit. Now, I believe here that it's probably meant really and honestly to be spirit. Why? Because back in verse 1, it says the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And verse 14, it talks about, I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live But here he's saying that everything's in order, everything's in place, but there's no spirit in you. There's no spirit in you. So yes, we need to be connected and protected. But can I tell you as a church, we are worthless if we don't have the Holy Ghost. As a church, we are worthless if we do not have the Holy Ghost. We can be connected all we want. We can be protected all we want. We can try to do all the works within ourselves, all that we want, but we are not alive unless we have the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the running and shouting. I'm talking about living so close to God that we walk in the Spirit instead of the flesh. When you don't have the spirit, hopelessness abounds. You might, be, you might even be secure in where you are, but then you look out and if you are not in the spirit, what you see is through fleshly eyes. You look out and you see some bum on the corner that's robbing from everybody they can to get one more hit of dope. That's what the fleshly eye looks out and sees. I'm okay. They're just a bum. Here's what the spirit looks out and sees. In other words, in the flesh we look out and what we see is a valley of dead, dry bones. They're out, they're exposed to the elements, they're following after the world. There's no protection on them, they're disorganized, they're not even in proper order. But when you look through the Spirit, when we look to God and say, God, you know. What He looks out and sees is someone that He created. Someone that He breathed His breath into. Someone that He formed before they were ever new in their mother's womb. It wasn't just the prophets that he done that to. It wasn't just you that he done that to. It was every person that's ever been born on this earth he formed and knitted before they were ever in their mother's womb. We see hopelessness, but God sees life. We see someone that has no chance, God sees someone that is special and that he loves. And as a church, We need to quit looking like the world. We need to quit looking like dead, dry bones. We need to quit looking through the lens of the world, looking out and seeing dead, dry bones. We need to come into those doors, and I've said it time and again, and we need to lift the name of the Lord. We need to come in here and we need to know that no matter what's going on in our life, in our community, in our world, in our church, that God is able and capable to change everything in a moment's notice. It may seem like there is no hope. When you look and you see, something that is dead and gone and has been rotting to the point to where there's nothing left but a bone, you are hopeless. When God looks and sees, He says, I can put it back together. When God looks at it, He says, I can put some breath back into it. When God looks at it, He says, they're not dead, they're just resting. They've still got a work to do for me in the future. That is where we are at as a church. I need to tell you this morning that God is looking at His church and He is not saying that is a valley of dead, dry bones he is looking at his church and he is saying they've still got breath in them because i'm going to put it in them they might think like they're disorganized but i'm going to stitch them back together they might think that they can have no impact but i'm going to stand them on their feet i'm going to breathe my breath of life back into them and i'm going to make them like a mighty army once again now look i know that not everybody's going to accept jesus christ I know that this world is going to vanish away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but His Word shall remain. Not one jot, not one tittle is going to change from it. But if we, not me, we, we, will be filled with the Spirit, then we can impact our spheres of influence by being a vibrant, connected, protected, Spirit-filled community of faith. You see, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit, and they are life. That's John 6, 63. Now, I love the end of this passage, verses specifically 11 through 14. He said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I believe he's looking out today and he's calling preachers and he's calling elders and deacons and whatnot in the church and he's bringing them to look at his church. And I believe a lot of what he sees in the church world today is uncleanness before him. Because we try to do things our way. And I tell you, it ain't just the abortion. I probably shouldn't go here, but I've got to. It's not just the abortion. It's not just the sins of the world. It's you putting your preferences in the church house ahead of Jesus Christ also. That's doing it your own way. Our bones are dried up. We're looking at God. We're laying before God. He's looking out at us and He's calling the preachers and the pastors and the evangelists and the elders. And He's saying, look out. What do you see? And we're saying we see dry bones. The church is saying... Our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. So what God is saying, I believe in this hour and this day, not just to Mill Creek Church of God, but to churches in general, prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves. Do I need to read that again? I believe God is saying to the church world today, that means every one of you sitting in here, I will open up your graves and cause you to come out, come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. In other words, the land He has for you flowing with milk and honey. The land of plenty where they had a cluster of grapes so big it took two men to put them on a pole and carry them. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves on my people and brought you up out of your graves and, and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live. Now I reference Romans 4.17. I'm going to try to... Come to a close here. 417 says, Before him, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him who believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I don't care what the world sees, and if I can be real blunt and honest like I typically am, I don't really care what you see in the church. What I care about is what God sees. What I care about is that God is not looking down on us as a valley of dead, dry bones. He is not looking at us as having no hope. He is, I'm not talking about you as an individual. I'm talking about us as a church. He is looking at us right now saying that they have life. That they still have some use left. That I can still put my breath in them and they can still go forth as an army for me. So here's how I want how I want to close, and what I'm going to close with is Ezekiel 37 and 9. And I'll tell you why. Sometimes we need to speak to those things that are not as though they are. I believe that's why I'm doing this whole series on the Spirit. I don't believe we have the Spirit enough. I'm not talking about the running, the shouting. Talking in tongues, I'm talking about we don't walk in the Spirit enough. Day to day. So Here's what I want you to do this morning. If you need prayer, I want you to come for prayer because I believe that through the laying on of hands, anointing with oil, people can be healed. I've seen it. I believe it. I know it to be true. If you're not saved, if you are not submitted your life to Christ, You need to. Time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. But for everybody else, God looked at Ezekiel and he told him, Prophesy to the wind. Say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord. If thus saith the Lord, work then. If thus saith the Lord, then. Not one jot, not one tittle. Pass away. We still claim that same word today. Come from the four winds, O Spirit, and breathe upon the slain that they may live. How many people do you know that used to come to church here that have walked away not just from this church but from God? They're out there dead. I think it's time we stand up and we lift our hands and we say, Oh, Spirit, breathe upon those slain so that they might live. How many of you have family that you raised up in church that are not here with you today? I think it's time that you stand up in the altar, brother and sister, joined, connected, and protected together and raise your hands and say, Oh, Spirit, Breathe upon these slain that they may live. How many of you have brothers and sisters that were raised up in church just like you and yet they do not attend, they do not believe, they don't follow what they were told? I believe it's time for you to get up and march into the altar and lift your hands and say, "Oh Spirit, breathe upon these slain that they may live. That's all I want this morning, that simple. I want you to come into the altars this morning. I want you to, you can lay down, you can get on your knees, you can just stand and raise your hands. But I want you to come into the altars this morning and I want you to speak to the Spirit and say, "Oh Spirit, breathe upon these slain that they may live. I believe if we will do this that we can see the church come back to life. Come back to being a vibrant community. Come back to being an army that has breath and life in it that can impact our communities. The altars are open this morning. Come and just say,